that they may be easily understood, Lord, that they may bless, that they may bless those that's uh, tuned into the podcast. And Lord, that everybody would in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, that we need that more than we need our next breath is to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord. And we just praise him and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Chapter 11, Amen. Jeremiah. Oh, I read that. 50, 30. Verse 1. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Hear ye the words of this covenant, and speak unto the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Speak the words of this covenant. So I, I believe we're getting a new message to Jeremiah from what was in chapter 7 through 10. But it's a new message, but it's an old subject. And it deals with breaking his covenant. Breaking his covenant. It happened from the beginning. It was happening in Jeremiah's time. It's happening now. And it will continue to happen, unfortunately, until it comes again. And it's not anything to do with his unfaithfulness. It has to do with our unfaithfulness. So in verse 2, the Lord rehearses and repeats the word of the covenant to Jeremiah. Hear ye the words of this covenant, which is the Lord speaking to Jeremiah. And then he tells them, after you hear these words, then go speak. But hear these words first. Now, why would he say that to Jeremiah? We, we got to remember that Jeremiah is of the tribe of Levi and he's of Aaron's lineage. He's got access. He's got access to God's word that's been written at this time. The full mm -hmm. counsel of God up to this point. Jeremiah's got access to it. Or, or does he? Okay. Because he needs to have a good understanding of these words. Which God's repeating to him now, bringing bring to remembrance those things to stir up the gift that's in him, right? And because he needs to have a good understanding oh, yeah. of these words so that he can speak them unto the men of Judah and to the people of uh, Jerusalem. And the reason he needs to, to hear them and to get a good understanding is because until the 18th until the 18th year of Josiah which was just a few years back from where we are right now in Jeremiah the book of the <clears throat> excuse me <clears throat> the book with the words of the covenant in it was lost and i'm using that word i'm using that word lightly it wasn't lost it was I believe it was purposely 
hid. But until the 18th year of Josiah, the word of the covenant and the book had been lost probably throughout all of Manasseh's reign. That was 55 years. Manasseh, I believe Manasseh was probably the one that hit it because his daddy <coughs> was Hezekiah. And Hezekiah, you know, loved the Lord. So I believe the book was out and available to the people, to the priests, to serve the people and give them God's word daily. But when Manasseh took over, I, I don't believe God's word had any place in his reign and in his uh, agenda so that he he misplaced it where nobody could find it. And then his son Ammon, two-year reign, he did like his father Manasseh did. It, the book was never brought back out. And then the first 18 years of Josiah's reign, the book was still lost. And that's 75 years, which that's three generations that the word of the covenant were hidden from the people. And so now God is having to speak the words of this covenant to Jeremiah because in his lifetime, that book has been hidden, hasn't been available. And the Lord tells Jeremiah to hear the words and Proverbs 4, 7 says that wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. But you got to have wisdom before you. You got to have the word before you to get it. And you know, seventy-five years, three generations. I, when when I wrote that, I've always been. Uh, I've never forgotten it. I don't know if you're old enough to remember or studied it or, or what they teach in history, but there was a time when the United uh, Nations and stuff had meetings and assemblies. And there was a, a time back in when Khrushchev was prime minister of Russia. You ever heard that name, Nikita Khrushchev? Okay. Well, yeah. he slammed his, he slammed yes, his shoe down you know, uh, on the podium uh, against the uh, against the United States. And it was either him or it was Brezhnev, one, that said, if we can separate, if we can separate the United States from God, the, the, their thinking, bringing in socialism and, and turning their attention from God to, to other things, if we can do that for three generations, they'll wake up one morning not knowing that they're a socialist, communist nation without even knowing it. If, if we can just get them huh, separated from God for three generations, we, I'll guarantee us victory. 
huh. we'll walk in and they'll be they'll be a socialist nation uh, without even knowing that they are. And really, that's where we are right now. We're we're going. Uh, well, you said this yeah, on live it, TV. If it was live TV, didn't many people have TVs back then? But it was something that I, re I remember the, the picture of him slamming his shoe down on the desk. You know, it was almost like being a judge with a gavel. He was making his point. And, and the point that he had was if we can separate America for three generations where God's not brought up in the house, it's not spoken, it's a, it's a, by, it's a byword, it's, you'd have to really go look to find it. I found it right here in 19. That would be about, I thought it was in the late 50s, but it could have been 60. What's it say? Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I just found and, the YouTube video. And that's, video where that's the message that, that I remember. And like I say, I don't remember if it was Khrushchev or his Brezhnev that actually said the, the three generations, but it was mentioned, and that was part of their that was part of their platform of how they was going to conquer America as part of their you know bring them into their socialist republic. And uh, that, that was their game plan. That was their battle plan was to get God removed from us for three generations and they'd have us. And that's that's what has happened to Israel back then. There was three generations without the full counsel of God uh, available to them. And so that puts, it puts a little mm -hmm. light on to the condition that they was in. And so, like I say, that's why that's why yeah. God says in in verse two there in chapter eleven, "Hear ye the words of this covenant that I'm going to speak to you, because you haven't heard them lately, you haven't heard them at all. You've only heard it from the other priests around you that's older than you that you know have hid whatever they've hid in their heart." But he wanted him to get to understand what this covenant yeah. was, not only to hear it, but then to hearken. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That, that's not hearing it twice. That's hearing it, understanding it once you've heard it. That's, that's why there's two hearings in that faith cometh by hearing. You got to hear it huh. first. Now you got to hear by the word. Now you got to understand it. To get any profit from it, and there may have been some priests in the villages and the cities of the countryside which had God's word hidden in their heart, and there may have been some priests in Jerusalem that had done that too, to where God's word wasn't completely void and dead, but it was it was taken away from the people, and. You know, for 75 years, there's probably some priests that drifted away, too, and said, well, okay, since it's not available to us, what I know is, I guess, all of what I'm going to get. And when we get into that condition where we just give up stepping forward in our studies to show ourselves approved, we lose what we have.
what you what you had what you had learned uh, becomes irrelevant and unimportant to you that before long you don't remember what it is that you learned. So it where the people that had hid it in their hearts and were still witnessing and still proclaiming God's word to the best that they could without having access to get more knowledge, uh, it's very unlikely that, well, that the whole counsel of God was ever reached the people. And when I say the whole counsel of God, I mean what was written up to that point. So, you know, can you see a secondary application to what Amos prophesied <coughs> several hundred years earlier that I will send a famine in the land not a famine of bread nor a thirst for water but of hearing the words of the Lord. Now everybody applies this scripture to Jacob's trouble in the end times and, and there's going to be a famine then but there was a God's word always witnesses to itself. There's no new thing under the sun, right? What was happening here in Jerusalem and Judah was a famine of God's yeah. word. It had been taken away from them. It had been hid from them. And this famine began with the reign of Manasseh. That famine lasted 75 years until that word was found in the 18th year of Josiah, and then it was and then it was acted upon. So that was just a little uh, uh, and we may have you know there. I think we have a famine of the word today because the. What Amos said is the famine would be of hearing the words of the Lord. He didn't say that there wouldn't be any preaching going on, but the preaching that would be going on wouldn't be the word of the Lord. AKA all the new translations, all the, where they yeah. changed God's word to, so it would be easily understood. But that's not the word of God. That's their translation. Yeah. And people are hoarding to, to, to those ministries. But they're not hearing the word of the Lord, even though preaching's all over the place. You see what I'm saying? Hmm. Is it, is it going to ever learning and never coming to yeah, the knowledge of the truth? Could it fall on those lines? I mean, like the word is gone, but yet they're still trying to learn about the Lord. And right. yet you can't learn about the Lord that, outside that, of the Bible. It falls directly in line with that. People are, I mean, it, it's, I, I believe we're all born with that desire to seek God, even if we won't admit it. That we got a place inside our soul that is just empty until God fills it. You can fill it with yeah. whatever you want to, but it will never work. 
until God fills that hole. So we're always, we're looking to be worshipers. We're looking to be religious. We're looking to be, uh, to have something to fall back on when we're in trouble. I believe God has created us with that longing. But God gave us his word. If, if we're going to speak of today, the, the things that are today, God has given us his word. We have it. But when we want to find something else, because the these and the thous and the thisus and the thatsus and all that stuff, we think that's too hard to understand. We go get another book that puts it in men's words. Um, something happens to God's word. There's no power in God's word then. Because it's not God's word. It's God's word uh, in man's opinion. Scary stuff. But it, but it is more, it, it tickles the ears. It, it, it brings people to it because it, man's version of what God says appeals to men's flesh. So, <clears throat> then we get to verse 3. And it says, and say thou unto them. Now, Jeremiah has got, uh, received the word from God. And he's got the understanding of the words of the covenant. Now, God tells him to say unto them. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel. Cursed be the man that obeyeth not the words of this covenant. We'll just, we'll, I know it's just a comma there, but we'll just stop right there. Mm. Cursed be the man that obeyeth not the words of this covenant. And I believe mm. Jeremiah goes directly now that he understands the words of this covenant, which had been uh, hidden from him as well until God just told him that he was, he goes to Deuteronomy chapter 27. I'll, oh, yeah. Can't, can't get away from it. That's Deuteronomy again. No, you really can't. It's one of those books. I actually and I, seen and I think this is what when, going through it. I think this is what <laughs> Jeremiah was uh, detailing. Cursed be the man that does not obey the words of this covenant. He goes to chapter twenty-seven of Deuteronomy and starts telling him about this, and this is back. To the beginning, even before they crossed over Jordan, they was on the precipice of it, but they hadn't crossed mm -hmm. over into the promised land yet. And that's an, yes, that it's 
it's an yeah. important thing to remember that this is before oh, so they this ever was got on the other side of Jordan. Them. He would give them. Okay. They was on their way there, but they hadn't crossed over yet. Yeah. And so notice in verse two of verse uh, chapter 27, it says, as it shall be on the day when you shall pass over Jordan unto the land, which the Lord thy God giveth thee, that thou shalt set thee up great stones and plaster them with plaster. Then look in verse four. Therefore, it shall be when ye be gone over Jordan that ye shall set up these stones, which I command you this day in Mount Ebal, and thou shalt plaster them with plaster. Now, we know that when they crossed over that there was stones taken out of the river and set up on the uh, on the west side of Jordan when they crossed over at, for a witness to them. And then there were stones taken up by the priests out of the river where their feet stood, and they was taken out of the river. There was two sets of stones taken out there, and they was to be set up, and, and but the stones that were to be left in the midst of the Jordan. One set of stones was to be left in the midst of the Jordan, and one was to be set up on the, on the bank uh, of the promised land. So when you see in verse 4 that it mentions where these stones are to be set up, and it says they're to be set up in Mount Ebal, right? Well, that's, those stones are not the stones that were yeah. taken out of the midst of Jordan. In verse 9, and let's just turn to Joshua 4. Uh, keep your place in Deuteronomy. But turn to Joshua 4. And it says in verse 9, in Joshua, yeah, Josh, and, it said, and Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst okay. of Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests which bear the ark of the covenant stood, and there they are unto this day. So there's one set of stones. We know where they. No. No, so these stones he here he left in the midst the of the, ground the priest picked them crossing? out, and then Joshua set those twelve means? stones in the midst of the Jordan where their feet stood. So there's twelve stones representing the twelve tribes of Israel left in Jordan. Okay. And then <clears throat> look in verse uh, twenty. Joshua 4, verse 20. And those 12 stones which they took out of Jordan did Joshua pitch in Gilgal. See, here's 12 more stones that they took. They took them out of the river, but they brought them across. And this is all a picture of the, the crucifixion and the death and burial of Jesus 
leaving them in the water, water running over it, and that there's life on the other side of that baptism. Yes. So also yep. that the stone that was rejected <laughs> disallowed, right? I would have to say it's some kind of affiliation with that too in some way. I know he's the chief cornerstone. He's the author of, and oh, the yeah, finisher okay. of our yeah. faith. Because that's the foundation of what they are supposed to do. It started there in the river. It ends in the promised land. So these 12 stones in verse 20 are set up in Gilgal. But in Joshua 4, 3, just so that uh, we, we can understand that there's these stones that were to be set up in Mount Ebal, which Moses was talking about in Deuteronomy 4, uh, or Deuteronomy 27, rather, uh, they're not either one of this set of stones that we just read of in Joshua. And in Joshua 4, 3, in verse 1 and 2, it says, when the people were clean passed over Jordan, that the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Take ye twelve men out of the people of every tribe, um, uh, out of every tribe of man, and command ye them, saying, Take ye hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, Twelve stones, and you shall carry them over with you. Now listen, and leave them in the lodging place where you shall lodge this night. Leave them. So those stones were left at Gilgal. Twelve stones was left in Jordan. So going back to Deuteronomy 27, verse 4. Then you shall be gone over Jordan that you shall set up these stones, which I command you this day, in Mount Ebal. So these are, these are completely separate stones from these the other bunch that we were just talking about. And the purpose was to save them until you got to Mount Ebal and then placer them with placer and set them up yeah. there. And again, I, I think it's uh, important to remember that this is before they ever cross the Jordan that they're getting these instructions. And Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim mm. are located about 25 to 30 miles northwest of Gilgal. So they had to make a trip and what it, what it is, is going back to Joshua, chapter 8. They've already did Jericho. They've already been snubbed at Ai, and now they're doing it the right way, and they, they gain victory over Ai. And in Joshua 8, verse 30 to 33, reads, then Joshua built an altar unto the Lord God of Israel in Mount Ebal, just what Moses told him to do back there in Deuteronomy 27. 
as Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded the children of Israel, as is written in the book of the law of Moses, chapter 27 of Deuteronomy, an altar of whole stones over which no man hath lifted any iron, and they offered thereon burnt offerings unto the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. And he wrote thereupon a, the stones a copy of the law of Moses, which he wrote in the presence of the children of Israel. That would be that covenant. That would be that covenant that the Lord's rehearsing with Jeremiah in verse wow. in Jeremiah eleven. And all Israel and their elders and officers and their judges stood on this side of the ark, and on that side before the priest, which bare the ark of the covenant of the Lord, as well as a stranger, and he that was born among them, half of them over against Mount Gerizim, and half of them over against Mount Ebal as Moses, a servant of the Lord, had commanded before that they should bless the people of Israel. Yeah. Wow, isn't that something? That they should bless? You know, the ministers are supposed to be... Yes ministering and blessing the people now whether or not they want well to, it's just right with obedience there's going to be blessing, that that and with disobedience there's going to be cursing black and white mm. black and right. white okay. and that's what it's trying to oh, get yeah, Jeremiah to tell to the people now. The law, he'll bless you. Uh, you this know, is something that's not, it's not like this is the first time yeah. he ever asked them to uh, hear my voice and obey my word. He's been, he's been asking them the whole time since he ever called them out. And in uh, Joshua hmm. 24, it brings it so that we get an idea of where Ebal and Gerizim is. Joshua, Joshua 24. And this is yeah. getting at the end of Joshua's time, but it, it's still referring back. And Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem. We, we're, all, we're, we're all familiar with Shechem, right? Even back with, with Jacob. It's where he stops off at on his way back instead of going all the way to God uh, where God told him to go. He stops at Shechem and then all that mess happens with diamond and everything. But he calls for the elders of Israel and Shechem is the city that's in between Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal. It's bordered on either side by those two mountains where these stones had been placed. And then in verse 25, so in, in, in chapter 24 of Joshua, verse 25, so Joshua made a covenant with the people that day, here's that covenant again, and set them, 24, 25. Wait, 24 and now what? that we got Shechem is the place that's in between Mount Ebal oh, and Mount Gerizim. I'm sorry. 
Then he says, and he's made a covenant with the people that day and set them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. So that's where the that's where the burnt offerings and the and the worship was coming. That was the worship center. And in fact, when the inheritances of the tribes are handed out, which in chapter 24 of Joshua they've already been handed out, the the place of Shechem and Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal falls into the land of Manasseh. And Manasseh became consolidated with the ten tribes which were known as Ephraim or as Israel after the division of the kingdom. And Shechem was a Levitical city and a city of refuge. Just for, just for reference as to the importance of the city and, and what it was. There was a Levitical city and a city of refuge as well. And, and I, I mentioned all this just to contrast God's faithfulness, yeah. Because you know, uh, in Jeremiah eleven five, it says that I may perform the oath which I sworn unto your fathers. God's faithful in His oaths. God's faithful in His pledges. And it's just a comparison to the lack of the faith shown by His people. And, and for that matter, all mankind, all mankind in general, we're not faithful to our oaths. We break them all the time. But God doesn't. So here, smack dab in the middle, you think of the whole United Kingdom of, of Israel during the time of David and Solomon and all the, all the land there, right in the middle of that whole nation. That's where Shechem is. Pretty much right. It's centered right in the. Right in the middle. And there was a great stone of witness set up. In that place. Where the blessings and the cursings were not only read. They're not only read to the people. But they was written. In stone. For their admonition. So that. Generations after them. Would not mm. the covenant, yeah, and it would bring to remembrance not only the words of the covenant, but it would bring to remembrance their commitment to obedience to the Lord for the generations to come. And that was their commitment, saying, "We will, we will, we will." Yeah, but they didn't. But they didn't. But they didn't. So now, 800 years later, Israel, the 10 tribes, they've already been scattered for over 100 years. All that's left is Judah and Jerusalem. And the place of witness and blessing and cursing has become Samaria. It's no longer Manasseh. It's no longer part of It's Samaria. And that's what happened when Israel got moved out and Sennacherib came in and placed all his people and all his natives and customs in, in their land. So, 
So Jeremiah is compelled by God to tell the remnant of God's people that's in Judah and Jerusalem the commitment and the oath that their forefathers had confessed concerning their obedience to the words of this covenant. They're, they're, they're not without witness. That's why God set the witnesses up so that generations generations could see <coughs> the faithfulness of God and the unfaithfulness of those that came before him. Sometimes we're so quick to accuse God of being unfaithful and not keeping his covenant. God, you said you know. You know what I'm saying? When in truth, it's us. We're the ones that's guilty, not God. <clears throat> we just sometimes have a hard yeah. time accepting that. But a hundred a hundred percent of the time, it's us that's guilty. God's faithfulness is, is mm. without question. He wouldn't be God if he if he wasn't faithful. God sets up witnesses against us in the Old Testament. He did it in Deuteronomy 4.26. He did it in Deuteronomy 19 through 26, 31, 19 through 26. He done it in Joshua 24, 26, and 27. I'll, I'll come back to these scriptures and we can turn to them. Uh, but in Deuteronomy 4, the, the witnesses, the heavens and the earth was to be witness. You know, how's that line up with 1 John 5, 7, and 8, huh? He set up the heavens and the earth to be a witness against him. Then in Deuteronomy, then in Deuteronomy 31, it's a song that was to be taught to the generations to come that would bear witness against them in a song. And in Joshua 24, it was the written word of God upon a great stone. Uh oh a solid rock, Deuteronomy 32.4. And a smiting stone, not made by hand, Daniel 2.45. Those were witnesses against his people throughout the generations that they could be brought back into remembrance of the oaths that they had made and the oaths that they had broken, their fathers and forefathers had broken, and in the New Testament, God has set up a witness for us and against us. And that's the preserved written word. Psalms 119.89 says, Forever thy word is settled in heaven, O Lord. Preserved. The incarnate word of God. Jesus came in the flesh. And the risen, never to die again, eternal word of God. Matthew 24, 35. And not a jot or tittle shall pass till this word be fulfilled. It, my word will never pass away. So we'll be judged for all our deeds and for all our own words. But if we're born again, we'll not be condemned or cursed. like the cursings that came from Mount Gerizim or Mount Ebal, whichever one it was, 
because that rock that was mentioned up there, that great stone, that solid rock, what the covenant was written upon, he's redeemed us from the curse by being made a curse for us. That has been removed. He, he bore that curse mm. for all of us. So the indictment in the Old Testament of man was cursed be the man that obeyeth not the words of this covenant. Faith is dead without works. Here we're, we're going to go into James a little bit. You have to, you have to forgive me. In, in in the old test in the old testament, so why don't we just why don't we just turn to James? <laughs> James two. <clears throat> yeah. In the old testament, <clears throat> let me find James here. A man's faith is made perfect by his works. James 2, 22. Okay? In the New Testament, a man's faith is made perfect, it's made complete by the finished work yep. of Christ on Calvary. Not by works of righteousness that we have done. Now, keep your place in James. Look at <clears throat> go to Titus. <clears throat> Three seven. And it says that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according okay. to the hope of eternal life. Being justified by his grace. And then we look at James 2.22. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Two twenty-two in James. No, that's one twenty-two, ain't it? Wait, but I, so I've got two twenty-two or I've got two twenty-four written, and and that's that's what, oh, that's yeah. what I meant to okay. do because yeah, I just one twenty-two. Okay, but well, you got okay. Well, they're both the what you were talking about. Yes. Seeing thou now how faith wrought with his works. And by works was his faith made perfect. Right. And that and in one but I had just made that point before the in the Old Testament, a man's faith was made perfect by his works. Which is what two twenty two says. And then in Titus it mm -hmm. shows that our works uh, 
we're made complete. Our faith is made complete, is made perfect by the finished work of Christ on Calvary, not anything we do. So then when we compare, when we compare Titus 3, 7, which says that being justified by his grace, we should be made yes. heirs according to You're the right. hope of eternal life, which is our hope. That's, that's our faith. And then you see James 2.24. We already say James 2.22, but look in James yeah. uh, 2.24. So you see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Okay. And that's what leads me, you know, with my, my understanding of James. Yes. So this is the New Testament. This comparison of Titus with James, that's the New Testament set up against the Old Testament to show the contrast between the ways our faith is perfected. And then remembering that James was written, here we go, to the 12 tribes, that is united Israel. While they were scattered yet, that's when it was written to them, they're still scattered, and they still are now, preparing for a time when this is the purpose of James, in my opinion, preparing them for a time when they shall be gathered from the four winds and brought unto their own land, become united again, as pictured in Ezekiel with the bones in the dry in the in the dry land. This it's ongoing. The them being brought back to Israel to their own land has been going on since 1948. But it's a physical return. It's a physical return. And the regathering will continue until the fullness of the Gentiles become in. What's the fullness of the Gentiles? Uh-huh. Okay, but what does it represent? What is the fullness of the Gentiles? The rapture? It's when it's uh, when the last member of the body know. of Christ. I, I would say it represents Christ's grace and mercy towards us. It's when the body of Christ is complete, according to God, according to the husband. Yeah. Then the fullness okay. of the the Gentiles has come in, and that will. Yes. Yes. But that's the fullness of yeah. it. Yeah. So that would be the rapture, and that right? will complete that would take the body place of Christ, the which is the church. Last person, or and whoever Jesus it is. is. Okay. Mm-hmm. And when he when he comes for his bride, then comes the time of Jacob's united Israel. Then comes yeah. the time of Jacob's trouble and their conversion spiritually, and that's brought about by the refining fire and the cleansing and the mm-hmm. furnace of affliction, which is the great tribulation. Okay. So when the church is re- mm-hmm. we're fixing uh, it. Kind of like, yep. it kind of is like, uh, yep. no, that, I mean, that's all part of furnace. Yeah. That he brought him out of the We're still in Jeremiah, but Jeremiah. we're going all over the Bible 11. to get there. Oh, okay. Okay. So when the church is removed, then God's people will revert back 
to the bringing of sacrifices yeah. under okay. the law and their faith as a nation, as a nation shall be perfected through works, just as James forewarns them. In my opinion, these are instructions for a people that are going through the, the furnace, even as they did in when they come out of Egypt to go to the promised land. Uh, the time of Jacob's trouble is going to bring them from a physical regathering to, to their homeland to a spiritual regathering to bring them so that they'll be God's people and God will be their God. Okay? All right, Jeremiah verse 4. You'll have to excuse me. i got to get rid of some coffee. Yeah. Yeah, you can. Okay, that's fine. Do you want me to talk? Okay. So in the time of Jacob's trouble, is it for the nation of Israel to turn to try to keep the law, which no man can do, which the Lord clearly says in the New Testament? Yes. Or yes. is it that they finally believe it's doing what, what God says. says? Yeah. And they repent. So there's no works involved. It's believing still. But this will this will be judged nationally, not independently. Yeah, but there's like no activity, that, no what, works that has to be. It's because yeah, but then as a nation, they're not going to end up getting the law says that they're supposed to sacrifice a lamb. They're not going to do that. So therefore, they wouldn't keep the oh, law. No, I, you know, the law says they're supposed to offer a turtle dove, yes, have. a bullock, and a for red heifer for the land, and so on and so forth. I, I, Christ I, Jesus has already I, I, completed I, and fulfilled all that, I, correct? I, I with all my heart that they will go back mm -hmm. to bringing sacrifices to well, the temple. Well, well the, for the, in, taking in, the law out the of the way, nailing it to his cross. I believe that with all my heart. Okay. Well, well, in right. the millennium, but not during the tribulation. Nope, but, they're, but they're still See, under the law. They've never been back. revived. Great tribulation is not the millennium. They're, they're, right? When Jesus comes again and splits Mount Olives mm -hmm. okay. in half, that's when, and they see him whom they have pierced, that's when they'll come spiritually to, uh, to the Lord, and mm -hmm. they shall be his people, and he shall be their God. But not until then. Yes, that that's the refining pro that that's yeah. the refining process. The convicting but that great power tribulation will is preparing bring them their hearts to do that. Yep. Okay. So uh, Jeremiah, verse yeah. four. Okay. Uh, no, I think we're done with James. Unless, yeah. but if you got something, go. Keep but I was just making that comparison with our faith being made perfect is okay. completely different from the New Testament and the Old Testament. Sure. Yeah. So let me just get this with James. What is your definition of works? 
would it be your definition of what you're saying is works? Is it that they need to keep the whole law, everything, every jot and tittle, like the Lord says back in Jeremiah, back in Deuteronomy that looked at, if you will obey the words of my voice, which he gave the law, Leviticus says it as well, you know, keep the words of my, my covenant, you know, is it, that's not well, works, but, yeah, keeping it. I think that's faith that James trusts makes in the Lord, a good right? uh, picture of that when he's talking about the, uh, if somebody comes to you and they're, they don't, they're destitute of clothes and food and stuff, and you, and, and you say, go your way and be blessed. Well, how does that profit that guy? That mm -hmm. a, a work, uh, a faith work would be to give yeah. them clothes or give them food if you have it in your hand. That, that, that's, that's a picture of faith works to me. Yeah. Now, though, you know, isn't that only oh, under no. the New Testament covenant? No, look at that you example. Know, says, I, I'm not going to turn there, but we can if I start to stumble. Over. But I think it's in Luke seven, where that, where where that girl uh, comes and anoints Jesus is eating at the Pharisee's house, and and he gets welcomed in there, and the, the girl comes and and anoints yeah. him. And washes his feet and kisses his feet and uh, does all these things. Mm -hmm. And then the the Pharisee is all the time saying, if, if this guy was God, he would know what kind of woman this is. And, you know, and so he, he goes through the whole thing and he lets her do all these things. And then to mm -hmm. explain it to the Pharisee who's under the law, they're, they're still under the law at this time. In order for, for Jesus explains to the Pharisee the only way that he'll understand it, and it's through works. And he goes about and he says, you didn't do this to me. 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 But this girl did all of these things. She did all of these things. And that's how he's explaining it to the Pharisee, because that's the only way he'll understand it. He won't understand the spiritual side of it because he doesn't because he's not spiritual. He's only ceremonially. But then when he turns to the girl, notice what he says. Thy faith hath made thee whole. Or thy faith that your sins have been beat. It's her faith. Mm -hmm. That done it. Her faith was perfected through those. Yeah. And he did, you know, and Jesus did that with the lepers well, he did too, it to right? The with those that had leprosy. He did it um, to the one that come back. By faith it made. Huh? Yeah. And he says, you know, go and sin no more. You know, there's a work there. And but like I say, and until Jesus no more, ascended sure. and brought in the New Testament, uh, they were still under the law, even in all the gospels. All the gospels are still under the law. And all yes. Jesus was trying to do was prepare them and transition yes, them into the new way that God was going to be worshipped. 
and has to be worshipped. And he could only he could only make it make sense. He could only explain yes. it to the Pharisee and to all the others there that was that what this girl had done was. But it, that's yeah. not what sa- that's not what saved her. It was her faith that saved her. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Now, uh, by the way, I'm I'm back. Okay. Uh, verse four. I appreciate that. Okay. Uh, verse right. four, which I commanded your fathers in the day that I brought them forth out of the land of Egypt from the iron furnace, saying, Obey my voice and do them according to all which I command you. Remember Deuteronomy 27. So shall you be my people and I will be your God. Yes. So we go back to Jeremiah and we mm. cursed. Uh, we're going to go from cursed be the man that obeyeth not the words of his covenant to the day in which God brought Israel out of Egypt and delivered them from the iron furnace. We use Deuteronomy 27 to expound on cursed be the man. But now we'll turn to Deuteronomy. Imagine that. Mm-hmm. We'll turn to Deuteronomy 4.20. And we'll use that to help us uh, expound yeah. on uh the iron furnace. And Deuteronomy 420 mm-hmm. says, and this is actually where Jeremiah got uh, what he said in verse 5 from. But the Lord hath taken you and brought you forth out of the iron furnace. And now it explains what the iron furnace was even out of Egypt, to be unto him a people of inheritance as you are this day. Now, what Jeremiah said was Mm. that I brought you forth out of the land of Egypt from the iron furnace, saying, obey my voice and do them according to all which I command you. So shall you be my people, and I will be your God. Okay, well, that part's not not listed. Mm-hmm. But being my people and being your God, that's not listed in 420. But the bringing of the iron furnace is. And mm-hmm. what you'll notice after <coughs> concerning the obeying or not obeying his words, you'll notice that directly after verse 20 in Deuteronomy 20, or 420, it says in verse 21, furthermore, the Lord was angry with me for your sakes. And what follows from verse 21 through 28 is warnings and foretelling of judgment that accompanies disobedience. And that's all part of what when Jeremiah says, so that you shall be my people. Yeah. That's why do we need to obey and to do his commandments? 
so that we can be his people and he can be our God. Yeah. Well, it's the Lord delivered them and whom um, praise God. We love him because he first loved us. And if we are to, if we don't recognize his love and what he has delivered us from and his grace and his mercy, what, what are we doing? You know, it's just like the nation of Israel here. They, they just want it more, 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 more. They didn't, they didn't were thankful for what they had and what the Lord had done. I like, uh, if you look back, called Deuteronomy, I'll show you this real quick. It, 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 you know, this is 400 years, right? Deuteronomy from Jeremiah, or is it 800 years? That'd just be when the kingdom started. It's 800. I got 400 years for some reason. That would be when the kingdom started 400 years. Oh, from the kingdom. Okay, this is from the kingdom. Okay, uh, but look at Deuteronomy four twenty at the end. It says, "As ye are this day, the Lord has already delivered them, and they are that day." Present well, but He's tense. speaking of bringing them out of Egypt, and they but was delivered from at, Egypt. Uh, as ye are this day, but they wasn't. But they hadn't crossed Jordan. They weren't where they were. Yeah. But look at Deuteronomy or uh, Jeremiah right. eleven five. It says, "As it is this day, you see, Amen. the Lord never had moved from what He was wanting to do from them. He said, i 'I'll deliver you.' He said, 'I'll, I'll take you and I'll bring you to a land that I promise. As it is yeah. today, it can today be is today. Today is the day of salvation. Right now, you know, that's just." Amen. Yes, today is the day of obedience, not tomorrow, you know, not the next day. So that's very really interesting when I seen that. But I got uh, I had to update well, that's that. A, that's the thing between the unconditional covenant Bless and the you. conditional covenant. The unconditional covenant is, is uh, and we're going to get into that, is uh, holy God. The conditional covenant it depends on man to reach that condition. And he hasn't yet. He hadn't. So what is that? Okay, what is that? He's got to obey. Man's got to reach to that condition? What do you mean? But that that would be like what James is saying. It's not just about faith. Faith gets you saved, but now you got to do, right? Yes. Well, James is written in the New Testament, you know, that's after Christ came. But I believe trying he's to show us the pattern of what the nation of Israel did not do the church age and, goes and into would not do, right? And he's warning them again. They're going to refer. Well, what about us? He warns us. There's so many different things that the Lord commands us to do in our faith, you know. He tells us that we're supposed to be obedient to our masters. We're supposed to do that. We're supposed to and, love our wives. We're and supposed that's all to work with our own hands, into, providing those uh, things which 
our treasures soul. set up in heaven. That's all going to that's all going to manifest into our inheritance that we receive when we get there. And by not doing any of those things, we lose that inheritance, but we don't lose our mm -hmm. salvation. Yes. Yeah. And it's, yeah. It's, because it's salvation is first and work is next. It's the proof labor of is next. You got to be hired in order for you to do the labor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's where like, like say, for example, I love you, honey, but yet I don't, I love you wife, but yet I don't treat her right. I'm not my, the faith that I have of my love and the Lord and the That's word, awesome. I'm not putting that into action. I'm not living that through the words of God. Like the nation of Israel, they have the ceremonial part of everything. It's all surface. It's all topical. You know, it's all the bomb that's on the top, but there's nothing that's the aroma, the essence inside. Where is that? Uh, like the Holy Spirit coming out of you. You know, that's the love of God is spread abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Why isn't that being manifested out towards us? You know, because each and every one of us has something that's in our lives that hinders us or we got some false look or we looked at the scripture some way. And we got this crazy idea by taking things out of context. And yet we end up not obeying what the Lord says. Period, you know, that's like what you were saying earlier. It's that's like on the Lord said, with our Lord lips, said, and that's that, but not you know? with our heart. We just gotta, mm -hmm. and Jay, yes, and that's like with Abraham when he was that example in James 2, there where the Lord, you know, take thee thy son, thy only son, you know, okay, Lord, I'll do that, but he never does it. That's not honoring the Lord. You know, that's where he, by faith, Romans 4, he obeyed God. And in James 2 is showing that that is his obedience, that he went forward uh -huh. with believing what God said. You know, does that make sense what I'm saying? And that's like what we are to do. We're not just supposed to speak it with our mouth. We're supposed to go forward and obeying what he says. And it's not works for salvation. No. It's works. It's a sweet smelling aroma, like you're saying, unto the Lord. We sacrifice the offerings of praise uh, continually with our lips unto the Lord. You know, and it's uh, those things that we're sacrificing to do for the Lord's glory. But just merely saying them is not going to end up making it happen. You know, the power of the word of God is one thing. Um, but the power of the word of God through us. By being obedient and channels, that's another that's another animal, man, that I don't get. You know, that's a difficult Is that, difficult thing. Yeah. Being yeah. carnally minded. That's the best. You know, it's a difficult thing. Because you that's know, he says, Do works yeah. meet of repentance. Doesn't he say that? Where's that? That's in the gospels though, right? Matthew three. I believe. Yeah. Okay. So that doesn't apply to this. Yeah. Okay, brother. I hey, think uh, we do. Why don't we just save burning burners for the, I think for we the next cut one. off at 120, do we not? Yeah. Oh, okay. Absolutely. All right. 
Well, can mm-hmm. I finish this time to what I was want to think about real quick? Um, I was looking at this well, just a little bit. I just said, and it says the word of the Lord came, the word that came. I stopped there because I started thinking about how Lord, the Lord Jesus right. Christ, the word of the Lord was manifested in the flesh, you know, and then he was full of grace and he was full of truth. Um, there was that day when the word of God came and that's Jesus Christ. And then they didn't hear the words of his covenant. What did he come for? He came to Israel to redeem them, but they ended up um, rejecting him as their Lord and their savior. And it cursed be every man that obeyeth not the words of this covenant. Now, this is what blows my mind is that Jesus Christ Yep. obeyed and fulfilled all the law, all 